This morning we're going into the sermon on which bride are you? We're considering this. We are changing a little bit from the outline that we have. We have six points in the morning service. We're doing the first two and the fifth point this morning. And this evening we'll be doing the third, the fourth and the sixth point of this sermon. And you'll realise why. It would have been too much of a rush to get through the six points in the morning service. And so enjoy the ones we have for this morning. Point one, two and point five. That's if you've got the outline there on WhatsApp. Now, as we look through the scripture, there are multiple brides. We'll only consider six. We, there's, there's many, many mothers, wives and brides that are spoken about. We've all attended weddings. I'm sure you have and maybe taking your children along or You've had weddings of your own (laughs) with your own children. There's the excitement of the bride and groom and their attendance as they prepare in the months and the weeks before. The anticipation, the excitement. There's the exquisite dresses and the suits and the shoes, the flowers and the cars and all that that goes into making it a special day. And sometimes there's extravagance in these things. And maybe in the, in the meal, the first meal the couple have together, the marriage supper, we could say, there's extravagance. And uh, the, the more you pay, it seems, for one of these receptions, the bigger the plate and the smaller the meal. Praise God, there are some places around that do it the other way. <laughs> but then there's the expenditure. No, Dad has to hold his cards tight and his wallet in his pocket because expenditure can certainly get out of hand with the wedding. There's the exchanging of the vows and the rings in the ceremony. Then there's the exhilaration of the honeymoon with its new experiences that the couple have. Then they get back from the honeymoon and there's the expenses of setting up home and getting it all established. A fairy tale wedding. <laughs> and that's what each bride would like to have. It'd be wonderful to be able to say, as it's said, that they lived happily ever after. But that's not reality. At least 50% and more of these dream weddings and all the expense, all the excitement, all the extravagance fail sad really sad you know if we had put more emphasis on the spiritual side of our lives and on continuing to follow hard after the lord maybe these things could be avoided instead of putting all the time and the effort in the preparations put some spiritual preparation and as we look at the brides and scripture that we do today There's a likeness between the Lord and Israel. All the excitement of leaving Egypt, of the forming of this bride and the great miracles that were done in leaving and wandering through the wilderness and God's provision, the extravagance he he provided with 
for them all the way. Their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, they, they had food every day. And uh, the Lord was looking after his bride. But some years, hundreds of years later, look where they were. And uh, look what they did to the Messiah who came to be their, their king. They crucified him. And that day their house was left to them desolate. And what about the church? We're 2,000 years almost into the church history. It's what it's in uh, 2033. The church started 2,000 years from that point back there. What has the church done as the bride of Christ? And so keep that in mind as we look at these brides because that's what we'll be doing as we, can, as we study these things. Even Christian weddings come to disaster Christian weddings <laughs> some of them are hanging together with a thread where there's hidden abuse physical, financial, verbal controlling abuse in marriages even Christian marriages the husband and men might say well <laughs> It's Mother's Day and it's a sermon for mothers, mothers, so I'll go to sleep here on the couch. No, you're also part of a bride. The bride of Christ. And don't switch off. If you're a Christian, you're a part of this bride. And you're part of a family. And you need to, need to listen and take heed because we'll be looking at the bride and then applying that truth to ourselves today. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 30, to 33 we read this for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that you reverence a husband and so there we have it huh. Don't switch off. You're part, of a, you're part of a bride. You are the bride of Christ if you're a Christian. Now let's see the first biblical example of a bride, of a mother. And this is not a good one. There's two bad ones this morning and one good, um, good one. The first two are bad. There's the fickle and flirting brides that we have mentioned in Scripture. And when you read this, you think, how could she do what she's done and remember like unto Israel and like unto the church the brides of the Lord and what they've done now in the book of Proverbs chapter 7 this is a, a bride that is not good let me read and make comments as we go through this chapter Proverbs 7 my son keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. So take in the word of God, live the word of God. Say unto wisdom, which we get from the word, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the strangers who flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I look through my casement, he was looking out on the street and behold among the simple ones 
I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went away to her house. He entered into the realm of temptation. He shouldn't have been there. He was there for wrong reasons. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without the streets and lieth in wait in every corner. You know, it's not just one, there's many doing this. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee, she's buttering him up to convince him and battering her eyelids to get him in to her home. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I know the temptation of sin and the allurements, she's putting it out there, she's throwing the bait to him and he's already in that mindset, that's why he's there. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning and let us solace ourselves with love. And I say with lusts. For the good man is not at home. And that means the husband. My husband's out. Not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He taketh a long bag, I've taken a bag of money with him and will come home at a day appointed. So we're safe. We can do this evil. We can get away with it. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox that goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O children, and attend to the words of my, my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her way. Go not thou astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Now, that's pretty explicit, isn't it? This is the fickle and flirting bride that takes in this, as it were, innocent but guilty man into his house, doing this against her husband, against her family, if she's got them. You say people wouldn't do that. People do do that. And being 42 years in the ministry, I could put names forth, but I won't do that. That have done that in the field of where I've ministered. I remember a wedding, I'm not putting a name, that I was involved with where the bridegroom, it wasn't the bride, this was the bridegroom, whilst there was premarital counsel happening, he was out having an affair with another woman. The marriage took place and it was very soon afterward that the young bride 
distraught and devastated, come running up the church, crying out loud, so upset, found out that her husband had been doing this even while they were being married. It does happen. This is even fickle and flirting brides and bridegrooms getting themselves into all manner of strife in following the evil way. You say, well, what does that to do with me? Let me read the book of James. The book of James, chapter 4 and verse 4. We read, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? James is talking to Christians. Adulterers and adulteresses, men and women. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? The Holy Spirit does not want us to have us use our bodies to be friends of the world, to be attached closely to the world. The things of this world we loosely hold, we use but don't abuse them for the glory of God. But Christians, though married to the Lord, are also straddling the fence and are married to the world. And the spirit lusteth to envy. He does not like this. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the hand of God. Repent. Don't do this. Don't flirt with the world. Don't be fickle in your faith, but be solid in your faith. So we see this first bride, fickle and flirting. We Christians can do this, and we offend the Lord. He is not pleased. The second bride we look at this morning is in an Old Testament book. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it right through all the chapters of the book of Hosea. There was Hosea and Gomer. Gomer, his wife. Turn to the book of Hosea. First of the minor prophets, just after the book of Daniel. Here we have an innocent husband and an immoral wife. And I've said that We'll call this one, there are the faltering and fleshly brides, and she certainly was. Gomer was certainly that way. The wife who departed from her husband and became a whore, as the scriptures say. In verse 1 and 2, we read of chapter 1, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Beor, in the days of Uzziah. In verse 2, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredom and children of whoredom to the land. For the land hath committed whoredom departing from the Lord. And so we see the command of the Lord to go and do this. Now, some commentators believe that she was that way before he married her and the Lord said to go marry her. Others say that she became that way after she was married. I do believe the second was the case. I don't know that God commands us to do that which is absolutely contrary to his word, 
But there was the command that was given in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. And then the children came along in verses 3 through to 9. There were three children that they had. There was Jezreel there mentioned in verse 4. And that name means scattered. Jezreel. Who lived in Jezreel? Jezebel and Ahab. There was another man that lived there, Naboth and his vineyard. And remember how Jezebel got Naboth, uh, Naboth the vineyard of got Ahab, sorry, <laughs> Naboth's vineyard in what she did in the evil. I remember being there in Jezreel and, this, and the mound that it was at the place. We walked right around it. It hasn't been dug up. It's still there. There's walls. I thought, I wonder if that's where Jezebel got thrown out of. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a hole a little bit round on the, on the eastern side and you peer down in there and there's probably rooms and that. <laughs> it would be nice to have get a, got a rope and gone down and looked around. But the children, Jezreel means scattered. And that's what happened after Jezebel and Ahab did what they did, the king and his wife. And then the second child is Law Amaha. No more mercy, it means. No more mercy in verse 6. And think of these things. Scattered, no more mercy. What the Lord is picturing through Hosea is his marriage to Israel. And he's using Hosea and Gomer as an example, as a picture of what Israel has done in forsaking the Lord. They're like a whore. They've gone away from their husband. And they're doing that which is very evil and wrong. And it's, not, it's even in the name of the children what God is going to do. He's going to scatter them. He's going to have no more mercy. He, he, his heart is broken. He, he, he wants them to come back. And lo, Amy is the third one. Lo, Amy in verse 9 of chapter 1. Not my people. God said, you're not my people. You're not behaving as a wife to me. You've gone so far astray. You're faltering and fleshly in your attitude and I can't stand it. It's wicked. What about the church even today? So there's the command, there's the children and then there's the corruption in verse 2 that we've already read and there's the chastisement in verses 3 and 4. Sorry, this is in chapter 2. Verse 2 reads of the corruption and chapter 2 of and verse 2, plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breast. Plead with her. And the corruption that was happening there. And the chastisement in verses 3 to 5, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her like a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. This is God speaking of Israel, but it's even as the picture of Hosea and Gomer. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they are the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath conceived them and hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that they may they may give me bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. And so this is the chastisement that God was going to bring upon Gomer for doing what she'd done, or Israel, Gomer, the picture of her 
and God was going to bring chastisement. Then the confinement. Hosea said the only way to stop my wife, Gomer, doing this is to fence her in, to fence her in. Therefore, in verse 6 of chapter 2, I will hedge up the way with thorns, like a hawthorn hedge, like, a, like the fences in England, and a hawthorn hedges instead of wire and, and, and posts. And hedge, hedge up the way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. Uh, Good old Hosea is using a good tactic here, fencing her in, containing her, confining her, that she can go out. God can do this to Christians. We're married to the Lord Jesus. We're his bride. And when we go out and do what's wrong and worldly and falter and are fleshly in our attitudes, God will contain us. He will bring circumstances so that we don't keep going that way for our own better, for our betterment. It was better that I go back to my husband, she said, than to continue seeking those of whoredom. And then we see uh, the compassion of Hosea. And the compassion of the Lord. In verse 1 of chapter 3. Then then said the Lord unto me. Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend. Yet an adulteress. According to the love of the Lord. Toward the children of Israel. Who look to to other gods. And love flagons of wine. So I brought her for myself. For fifteen pieces of silver. And for a homer of barley. And a half a homer of barley. And I said to her. Thou shalt abide for many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. And so Hosea was faithful to her, even though she went astray, uh, had these children that said they're scattered, and it's like Israel. God was faithful to Israel. He scattered them. He said, they're not my people. I have no mercy on them. But he had compassion in his heart, and he, he's not divorced them. He's still going to work to get them back to himself. And notice in verse 4 of chapter 3, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without a teraphim. What's going to happen? The temple's going to be destroyed. They won't be able to worship as they did. God will destroy that. And for many days, they will be this way. And remember the question I asked in last uh, Sunday morning service, I believe it was, about chapter 5, verse 15, and chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 of Hosea. What does it mean? Who is it talking about? Well, the Lord Jesus came and they crucified him and he left to them their house desolate and he's put them aside. Hosea was having compassion on his wife. He was bringing her back. He was buying her back. In fact, here, because of his great love, Hosea's great love for his wife, Gomer, And in spite of a terrible sin, Hosea purchased Gomer. God purchased Israel from the slave market of sin where she had sold herself sexually. He went and purchased her as one that was put put herself up for sale. God is doing the same to Israel. He has purchased her with a great price. He sent his son. He sent his only begotten. And what did they do? They received him not. But many has received him. John 1 and the verses 10 to 12 talks about that. He came unto his own and his own received him not. 
And he said, but as many as received him. And so you're seeing the picture here of this faltering and fleshly bride that didn't obey her husband and went out and sold herself. And and, got, and Gomer so loved his wife in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 3 that he, he went and bought her. Though he, she was already his wife, God has done that and is going to do that for Israel. This is what the whole chap- book of Hosea is about. You have to discard it. If you, if you discard Israel, you have to dis- discard Hosea. You can take some personal things from it, but you have to dis- discard the main message. God is not finished with Israel. He loves her. He's purchased her and he's paid the ultimate price of his own son's life. And he's going to make a new covenant with her. And it's in the covenant we have. And a covenant of blood. Jeremiah 31. Read about it there. Though the, the, the stars. If the stars stop shining. The sun stops shining. The moon stops shining. Then I'm done with Israel. Said God. But I'm not done. And the stars are still shining. And God will have to do with her. And so you have the innocent husband. And the immoral wife. And as I've likened it to, and it's in the outline there, you have the innocent husband and the immoral wife with God and Israel. We see her rebellion, and it's all through the book of Hosea, swearing, lying, killing, stealing, adultery, her godless religious leaders, her godless political leaders, her willful ignorance, chapter 4, verse 6, idolatry, 4, verse 7, drunkenness, 4, verse 11, arrogance, 5, verse 5, insincere sacrifices, Cost them nothing. Give that which is, is, is named and not that which is the best of the flock. Breaking the covenant, chapter 6, verse 7. Refusing to hear God's word, chapter 9, verse 7 through to 10. That's her rebellion. And then there's a ruin. The children of immortality. The rate will soar. Her idols will be destroyed, 10, verse 5. The people will be carried away into captivity and so they were, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They will wander around homeless and stateless, and they have so for 2,500 and something years, even more so since the invasion of Titus the Romans on Jerusalem in 70 AD. Her ruin, her rebellion, her ruin and her repentance, or Israel's sin, suffering and salvation. We see her repentance, her confession in chapter 6 and verse 1, the verses I said to look and see what they mean. Come, let us return to the Lord. They will say, he's torn and he will heal us. It's like Gomer said, I best go back to my husband. He's the one that loves me. He's the one that's purchasing me, even out of the, the, the slave market of sin. And they say, he will heal us. He is spent and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he will raise us up and live in his sight. And so Israel will come back to Jehovah, their God, for a third day of a thousand years. And I say, what's the other two days? It's interesting to look at it in that light, that God has set them aside. They've been out there and said, okay, that's you want it. The way you want it, I'll just leave you. I'm no more mercy on you. No more, not my people anymore. You're scattered. But he's drawing them back by the cords of love, like Omer. Now, consider a couple of verses in a faltering and fleshly relationship that we as Christians can have with the Lord himself. In the book of First John, in First John chapter 2, and you know these verses if you looked into the scripture much at all, 
in chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If the, any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. God wants us as his bride, the church, to love him as individuals, to love him and serve him. And not to love the world for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And with this present shutdown and all the businesses and everything, people going broke, have to get rid of their houses, it's a terrible time. But maybe God is drawing people, taking their eyes off the world and getting their eyes back on God and the provider of all things who has purchased them, paid a price for their salvation price has been paid we just have to believe the lord jesus and repent of our sins and come back to him the world passes away and the lust of it but he that doeth the will of god abideth forever and would to god that young people would learn that early in their life this thing about the world and the allurements and the attainment of things second corinthians there in second corinthians it tells us not to be unequally yoked with the world in chapter 6 and verse 14, O ye Corinthians, our speech is open to you. He said, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what con- communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belah? Come out, be separate unto the Lord. Be his. Be his solely. And the more we separate ourselves unto the Lord, the more useful we come, become for the Lord. We more we humble ourselves unto the Lord and obey his word, the more he can use us. And the more glory we can bring to him. What agreement have the temple of God with idols? And he goes down to chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and Spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. God wants us to be not unequally yoked, but to be set apart for him. You know, I wonder whether that saying, no way, Jose. Now, it probably doesn't come from this passage of scripture. But if you were Hosea and told by the Lord to marry this woman that's going to go off and be a whore, no way, Jose. But he was obeying the Lord in doing what he did, knowing where it was going to end. God, God knew where Israel was going to go. God knows where you are and I are in relation to him. We are his bride. Which bride are you? (laughs) We've looked at the fickle and flirting bride of Proverbs. We've seen the one of Hosea, the faltering and fleshly bride. But let's look at point five now. There are the faithful and fervent brides. The faithful and fervent brides of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 31. You knew I was going to end there sometime today. (laughs) Proverbs and chapter 31 where it speaks about the faithful bride. The virtuous woman. And verses 10 and 11 read, Who can find a virtuous woman for her father? Price is far above rupees. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. Not like um, Hosea and Gomer. God, can he trust you as his beloved? Are you, as it were, a virtuous woman? Your price is far above rubies. Mums, wives, today your 
price is far above rubies if you're faithful to that which you have vowed to do and to become. The heart of a husband does safely trust in it. Does God trust in us? Or does he see us wavering and wandering and looking around and neighing after the neighbor's wife, as the horses did there in the book of was Ecclesiastics? God, does he, does he see our and put his trust in us? <laughs> you know, the Lord said, they believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. What does he mean? <laughs> he knew their wayward hearts. He knew when times got tough, they would waver and wander. So that she, he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And it goes on and reads, we can read there about the faithful and fervent bride, <clears throat> virtuous. It's like in First Peter, in First Peter chapter 3 that we read this morning. In, this was re- in reference to Sarah. First Peter chapter 3, we read there in verses 1. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. What a blessing to have a faithful, consistent wife. While they behold your chaste conversation. This is, an, you know, even an unsaved man can see the faithfulness and the commitment that one has and a faithful manner of life and, and coupled with fear, fear of the Lord, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair and wearing of gold and putting on of a Let's not deck ourselves out to draw attention to ourselves physically, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. This is what God wants of his, his beloved, his children that they serve him from their heart. They don't dress up, they don't use church as a dress-up place and look at me, look how virtuous I am, look how good I am. No, you come with a right heart, a humble heart, a broken heart, a contrite heart, and him will the Lord receive. You can see the picture that the Lord is painting. It's all through the Old Testament from Abraham and it's right through the New Testament and the church. God wants a faithful and fervent bride, people that serve him from their hearts. And again, the other reference that we can refer to is in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, and yes, you know where we're going again. In verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Christians, submit yourselves as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of every Christian. And the church, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And you can read right down through to the end of the chapter there that we are to be faithful to the Lord. Are you a faithful and fervent bride to the Lord? Hey, he's coming. The bridegroom's coming. And he's coming soon. And will we, will we be ashamed before him at his coming? Will we? we will be if we're doing a goma. We will be if we're doing the one of Proverbs, the, one, the, the wicked woman. But we won't be ashamed if we're virtuous. We're living for the Lord and we're submitting to him and we're doing his will. We're following his way. 
Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 to 17, we find written, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, his body, and the church, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And so know ye not that you are the temple of the Lord. Over in First Corinthians, like again in chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, who is in you, whom ye have of God? Ye are not your own, we are his. We're bought with a price, just as Israel was, just as Gomer was. We're brought with a price. We might say Gomer was twice owned, owned by uh, the marriage and owned by the purchase of his, by Hosea who purchased his wife back. For ye are brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. They are God's. Let's just be faithful to him. Let's serve him. And let's not be gallivanting around and uh, so enjoying the world we don't think of the Lord. So engrossed with the things of this life that we forget to spend time with the Lord. Spend time with him. Love him. Show your love. Show your right attitude as you commit and dedicate yourself to him. Let us close in prayer. Oh Lord, we thank you for the pertinent examples of your love to us. Old and New Testament, they're everywhere. Thank you for the book of Hosea. The whole book is about your love for Israel how you couldn't let them go, how it broke your heart to do what you had to do to them. And the same with Christians today, Lord, it breaks your heart to have to chastise and discipline us, but you must to draw us back to yourself. Help us to get our eyes off the world and onto you. And as a true wife of the Lord, behave ourselves as though our bodies were not our own, but they're yours to be used by you for your glory. Whatever we do, we're to do all to the glory of God. Bless us as we consider these thoughts and even as we further these thoughts this evening in the message, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.